Hey, it's Greg here with the Maritime Gardening Podcast, brought to, brought to you by my sponsors, Bessie Seeds and Safer's Gardening Products. It's about 6 a.m. Uh, early August, uh, first week of August, and uh, it's been a really hot summer. It's really foggy out today, but this time of year it tends to be foggy in the morning. Uh, anyway, this podcast, I'm going to talk at length on a topic I brought up in a video recently that I've been talking to a friend about. Where the question was, if I could only grow five things, what would they be? Um, now, this is a more difficult question to answer than you might think, and it's really a really hard decision to make. Um, and I walked around the garden and thought about it. What you know? What what, what would what would what could, what would have to stay and what could go? That sort of thing. What could I do without? And of course, these things are very individualized. Um, so I mean, you know, it's not like what I'm suggesting would work for everyone. Right? It's, it's what works for me, what makes sense to me. Um, but anyway, uh, here goes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so first let me say that I'm not talking about perennials. So, I mean, I could easily choose five things. Perennial, apple tree, strawberry, raspberry, blueberry, blackberry. Boom. <laughs> it wouldn't be hard to do. So I'm, I'm talking about garden vegetables, annuals that you plant, right? That you have to plant and that you have to harvest at some point in the year, right? That sort of thing, okay? I mean, this is a good topic because a lot of people, they don't have like, you know, outrageous, I have a 2,500 square foot garden. I got about 54 by eight beds, the equivalent of that in here. And I grow a lot of stuff. Um, but most people don't have a garden of that size. They might have three four by eight beds. Let's just use, when I say bed in this video, I'm talking about roughly four feet by eight feet in dimension. Um, maybe they have four, four by eight beds or five, you know, most people, they have a relatively small garden in the backyard and I walk by a lot of people's lawns and they've got a ridiculous amount of things growing in one of those little spaces, right? Uh, you know, often people, they'll go to the garden center and they'll buy a whole bunch of transplants and they'll just stick things everywhere. They don't realize how big plants get, right? Uh, a kale plant needs almost like two square feet once it's fully grown in terms of space. And you can jam things in close together, but most plants do better when they have space, when they can get lots of air and lots of light for various reasons. So if you had a small garden, you would only want to plant five things. Uh, anyway, I'm going to start first with the context of I had to choose five things and I had unlimited space like I have right now. Let's say I had this garden right now, 2,500 square feet, but for some reason uh, I could only, I, I couldn't imagine why this would arise. It's kind of an artificial setting but I could only get five things to plant. <laughs> okay, what would I plant? Um, well, I guess also there's two different scenarios within that category. Uh, am I planting for like food and an enjoyment of food? Or am I planting like flavor, right? Or am I planting to feed my family? That sort of thing. So let's start with the first one of those. So I got unlimited space that I'm planting just for the sheer enjoyment of things. Um, and I can only plant five things, okay? So for me, the choice would be uh, beans. Uh, I would have pole beans, but I'd also have bush beans, right? But if I had to choose one of those two, it would be pole beans, because you usually get more per plant, okay? And I'm talking about snap beans, right? Ideally, maybe the kind, kind uh, what's it called? Lazy housewife, which can, can be either, right? You can harvest them young as a snap bean, or let them grow to full size and take the seeds out of the pod and store them as a dried seed. Uh, but I would definitely plant beans 
this time of year, August, usually is when I start getting beans and we harvest them and we really, I mean, we eat them every couple of days, right? Really enjoy them. Um, they're just a great thing to have. They're, you know, they give you that nice green vegetable taste. They're really easy to blanch and freeze in the freezer. You get a lot, you know, if you have a, a four by eight bed with a big trellis going down the middle, you get a heck of a lot of beans out of that, right? Uh, like basically right now, uh, that's pretty much what I've got. I've done a video on that recently. And just from that one trellis of, uh, these are Vortex beans, uh, every two days we fill a salad bowl with beans. That's a lot of beans, right? And that'll probably, it'll probably stay like that till like September, right? It's a, it's a, it's a productive thing to grow in a garden. Um, so beans. I would also grow kale um, because I do want to have one green crucifer, a thing in that category. I mean, it could be broccoli, it could be collard greens, it could be cabbage, it could be, you know, anything along those lines. Um, now this year I grew uh, pak choy. Um, it was wonderful. I mean, really, really good. I, I wish I had more seeds. I'd plant a fall crop right now. They grow really fast, pak choy, and they're delicious. Um, a little bit pest prone, but you can, you can deal with that by just using something like Safer's Endol like I use. But anyway, I'd have to have at least one crucifer among those five things. Uh, I would choose kale because my family likes it, I like it. Also, you know, you start harvesting kale in July and you can harvest it all the way till December, right? And, you know, one bed of kale produces a ridiculous amount of greens, right? You just harvest and harvest, blanch and freeze, harvest, blanch and freeze. It's, it produces more greens than you're going to want to eat in a week, at least for my family. Because we don't, you know, you got the, uh, around when the kale's producing, your, your uh, beans are producing as well. So you basically got beans and kale, right? So you got that, that sort of green. But there's a lot of production that comes out of a four by eight bed of kale. You get a lot out of that. Um, so I would have kale. I would also have either parsnips and carrots or, or one or the other, it really depends on what you like. Um, if I had to choose between those two things, kind of a Sophie's choice, um, it would be parsnips. Um, they store better than carrots. You can leave them in the ground. Uh, if you leave carrots in the ground here where I live, um, it's far enough north that they just, uh, not every year, but sometimes they just, they, they go to mush. They don't, they can't handle the cold or freezing of the soil. Um, so, and if you go to the store, you could buy a big bag of carrots relatively inexpensively, but parsnips are really expensive. And my whole family enjoys them. There's like when you have one of those roast dinner where you got roasted potatoes, roasted parsnips, squash, <laughs> and some sort of meat, right? They're just, I mean, they're part of fall, they're part of winter. Uh, and you can put a lot of parsnips in a four by eight bed. Right, so I would grow parsnips of one of those things just because you, you get so much, they're very easy to grow. They store easily, they store really easily. Even if you don't have a facility to store them, you can, if you can keep the ground from freezing by piling hay up on it or putting a dome over it like I do in the winter, you can just store them in the ground and pull them out as you need them, right? So you're basically getting fresh parsnips all winter. Also, uh, when you buy them, I don't know when they're harvested when you buy them. Um, so I think the flavor is variable. Parsnips should be harvested after a number of frosts. They should be harvested. I mean, I basically harvest them just before the soil freezes. You get the best flavor. So it's very difficult to buy parsnips that achieve the flavor you get by growing them yourself and harvesting them at the right time. 
but you also get a lot of food out of a bed, right? You get, because they're basically like a calorie crop, right? They're starch, sugary starch, delicious. Uh, so beans, kale, parsnips, potatoes. Now this seems like something most people would say, why wouldn't you just buy those? You can get, they're so cheap to buy. Um, but I really like growing and eating the potatoes I've grown. Uh, and if you have a bed full of potatoes, you get a lot of food out of that and they store so easily, right? So you grow the potatoes and you can be eating them in the fall and the winter, right? Um, and especially if, I, if I'm using this whole space here, right? <laughs> I can grow a lot of potatoes and I do, right? I always have about seven beds of potatoes, right? I grow a lot of them because I don't want to have to buy them, right? All this year, we, we bought one bag of potatoes this whole year. My wife bought them because she didn't know my new potatoes were ready. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> we almost made a whole year. Anyway, the ones she bought were good. Um, but, you know, uh, yeah, if I had unlimited space, I'd grow a lot of potatoes because they're easy to grow. Stick them in the ground, put a mulch on. I don't do anything the rest of the season. They just manage themselves. So they're really low maintenance, high productivity. They give you lots of food and they taste so good when you grow your own. Uh, and you get to harvest them at the right time, it just works. So potatoes. And finally, if I had unlimited space and I had to choose five things to grow, I would grow garlic in that garden because, I mean, one, one argument is that it's good for you and it's got health benefits and that sort of thing, but, and that, I'm, I'm not a doctor, I don't know if that's the case, but one thing I do know is that you can add garlic two potatoes, two parsnips, <laughs> two kale, two beans, <laughs> and it tastes great, <laughs> right? If you get some sort of meat, add garlic when you're cooking it up in a strip. Basically garlic makes everything taste great, right? So it's essential in the garden for me because it makes everything taste really good. So that's that situation. Let's say I had unlimited space and I had to choose five things and the whole point of growing up was to literally to feed my family, to, to provide food, value, and nourishment. Uh, all the choices would be about the same. I'd have kale, I'd have beans, I'd have parsnips, I'd have potatoes, um, but I'd switch out the garlic for squash. Because garlic really isn't like food in the, in the sense of it's giving you calories and energy, right? It's, it's flavor. I mean, there, there's vitamins and there's things in it that are good for you, yes, but you can't survive. You can't meet your daily caloric need eating garlic, it just makes everything taste great. So if I had to choose five things and I had a big garden like this and I was trying to feed my family. Um, by the way, the garden this big enough isn't enough. <laughs> I was just trying to feed my family. If I had to feed my family and there was no grocery store, I did a, vid a, a, vid a podcast on this once, this would not be enough space. Uh, I think what I figured out was that this would be enough garden to feed me, <laughs> just me. <laughs> And that would be, I'd have to be very careful. I'd have to grow a lot of calorie crops. I'd have to grow potatoes, squash, basically things that, that sort of meet that daily caloric need. Sure, there's protein and stuff in there as well, but I mean, if you're not meeting your caloric need, you just starve to death, right? And for me, my daily caloric need is something like 2,000 calories a day because I'm six foot four man, right? Uh, so um, anyway, I'd have to make this garden way bigger. I'd have to, you know, use, you know, maybe not um, four times as big because the rest of the family doesn't sort of eat as much as me, but two, three times as big, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but anyway, the only change I would make, um, beans, kale, parsnips, potatoes, I would grow squash. Um, because for where I am, it's, it stores easily. It's easy to grow, right? Um, once it gets a certain height, they're basically, 
um, pest proof, you know. I mean, I'm sure there's, I think there's specific squash pests that are really problematic, problematic for squash. Luckily, I don't have them here. But in terms of your standard things, slugs, snails, flea beetles, um, they're, you know, once they get about six inches high, they're basically um, immune to those things, at least in my experience. Uh, or if what little damage they might get, they just shrug it off. So they're easy to grow, and all you got to do to store squash is pick them and stick them on a shelf somewhere that's not too, like in my garage, just stick them on a shelf in the garage, and they're good for months, right? Um, so I grow squash. Um, now, I mean, all these choices are unique to my climate and my growing conditions where I am. You know, if I was somewhere hotter, I'd probably there'd probably be other. I mean, you notice that those that list of five is calorie crop heavy, right? Uh, crops that provide a lot of food energy value, right? Uh, and there's no tomatoes in there because tomatoes are basically water. And <laughs> I mean, people aren't going to like when I say this, but I mean, I love tomatoes, right? But they're like water and sugar and vitamins, right? They're not a calorie. You, you know, you're not getting, you know, you, there's a reason you have pasta with tomato sauce because <laughs> you need some calories in there, right? So, you know, if I was trying to feed my family uh, as much as I like tomatoes, I only have to choose five things and tomatoes are not going to, to get you there, even though they're wonderful to have. I mean, this scenario is artificial if you had to choose five things because you never just have to choose five things. But anyway, I'm going to expand on that, that notion a little bit as we go here as well. Anyway. Now, let me switch that around and say, let's say I have limited space. I've just got four beds. Okay, I don't have unlimited space. I've only got four beds. And, uh, and I'm trying to choose five things. <laughs> That's a different choice, right? Because we're thinking differently. Okay. Um, you know, if I only got five beds, it doesn't make sense to, to grow garlic to me. I mean, you're, you're going to have to buy it anyway. Uh, if you've if you only got four beds and you can only choose five things, it doesn't make sense to grow garlic. I, mean, I grow garlic here and I got about five beds full of garlic, right? Because I'll grow a lot of it. Uh, and, you know, I got plenty of other beds to grow things in because garlic needs good soil, good sun. It needs basically the best of everything or it doesn't grow well. Um, so, you know, um, I've got plenty of beds in this garden that have those qualities. I've got enough that I can put garlic in some of my best beds and I still have good beds for growing things like peppers and tomatoes and other, you know, other things that are sun hogs, <laughs> right? Soil, good soil and good sun. Uh, anyway, so we got a limited space. I'm, I'm, now I'm in the situation that I mean, many of you are, I suppose, and many other people are, where they got a very small space, right? Um, and they just got four beds, um, which is a relatively small backyard garden type thing, four, four by eight beds. And for whatever reason, I'm choosing five things. What do I choose? I still go with beans. I still go with kale. I still go with parsnips, okay, because I love them. <laughs> the difference is those other two things would be tomatoes and beets uh, for me. Uh, because the ones you grow are so much better than the ones you buy. And with the beets, you get uh, a green that's like a Swiss chard. It's different flavor than kale. But you also get that nice big purple beetroot, right? You get that wonderful beet. Um, they store pretty well. You can pickle them. They're delicious, right? Something I look forward to every year. Actually, this year I, I planted two beds of beets and one of them kind of failed um, for various reasons. I, I, maybe I'll discuss in my garden tour. I just, I just put them in the wrong spot, basically. Um, so I'm a bit, uh, a bit down about that because I like to have a lot of beets uh, harvested in the fall. 
I like cooking them as a, like a roasted vegetable. I like sauteing them and I also like pickling them. I love beets. Um, so I would, I would grow those five things. Beans, kale, parsnips, tomatoes, beets. If I could only grow five things and I had four beds. Um, how would I lay that out? Uh, I would have the um, beans would be a pole bean down the center and I'd have kale on either side of that. You've got an eight foot long bed, you've got a big trellis going down the middle of that eight foot long bed, you've got beans, you've got parsnips on either side, okay? And then you've got, a, and, sorry, you've got kale on either, sorry, big long trellis of beans and kale on either side, a row of kale on either side, okay? And then I'd have an entire bed of parsnips, an entire bed of tomatoes, an entire bed of beets. <laughs> that's, that's the four, okay? That's how I would do it. Um, I think it's also important to explain how you lay these things out. Now, let's expand a little bit, expand our minds a little bit and be more practical because really no one is limited to just five things. That doesn't make any sense, right? Um, you're limited by the space you have to work in. You're limited by space, right? I've got 2,500 square foot garden. I got about 50 beds. You could say I could I could technically plant 50 things, but I don't because I you know I have two beds of squash. I got about six or seven beds of potatoes. I got six or seven beds of garlic. I got you know um, you know two beds of strawberries. You know I got lots of you know different things like that, right? So anyway, usually what limits our choice as gardeners isn't some arbitrary number five, ten, right? These are numbers we use for <coughs> punchy titles for YouTube videos and written articles, but they really don't have a lot to do with reality. What constrains us as gardeners is the space we have to work in. Uh, whether that's because we only have the time and energy to maintain X size of garden, or we just only have so much good land uh, available to us. Right? You've got a, if you're lucky, really lucky today, you've got a house, you've got a backyard, and there's a relatively small space in that yard where uh, you've got the right conditions for a garden. Right, the right amount of, and what I'm talking about, right conditions is sun, because you can amend any other problem. Right, you can add water, you can fix the soil. There's a lot of things you can do to improve a garden, but if you've got a garden that's not getting enough sun, you can't fix it. Right, so for a lot of people, there's only one space somewhere on their property where it makes sense to have a garden, and it's getting all the sun it needs to achieve good yields. So, I'm limited by space. What do I put in that space? Let's again stick with the four bed garden. Four, four by eight beds. I think that's manageable for a lot of people that aren't totally, you know, out of control with gardening like I am. <laughs> that's reasonable. And then, you know, my first house, the first year I built the house, I put in a garden about that size. I think I, had, I might have had six beds. Uh, maybe I started with four. I think I started with four. You got to build them, you got to, you know, I had four, and then an extra had six, and an extra had 12. <laughs> that sort of thing, right? Um, anyway, four, okay. What do you plant? What's the most I would, what would I do? Let's say I had to move, and I was downsizing, and we had a small yard, and maybe my knees weren't so good anymore, and I basically just had to scale this whole thing down. What would I do? And I didn't have the kids around to help, right? I mean, I'm 50 right now, I got to basically a 12 year old and a 14 year old they're they're a bit younger than they're, they're a year younger than that but they're both about to have birthdays sort of thing right um so they're at that age so they're really helpful in the garden they can do a lot they basically got the the strength of a small adult sort of thing and they're they got all this energy and they can bend and they limber and they're really helpful in the garden right 
Um, but let's say it's, it's 10 years down the line and they're gone off somewhere seeking their fortune and I'm alone and, and we're somewhere else and I got less space, you know, four beds. What would I grow, right? Uh, okay, so here's how I would work it out. Um, in one of the beds, I would plant spinach end of March, beginning of April, okay? I'd fill the whole bed with spinach, okay? Spinach grows really early. So I would grow spinach in that bed. When the spinach, you know, is starting to bolt in June, which it always does, that's when I would plant beans down the center, you know, pole beans. And I'd plant the spinach so that the center was available, right, for planting. So I could even maybe sow the beans before the spinach was even done. So I'd plant beans down the center, and when I pulled all the spinach out, I'd plant potatoes on either side of the beans. Okay, so you got four by eight garden, you got the length of it, you got a big trellis going down the center with pole beans. On either side, you've got potatoes growing. It's a great system, right? Once the beans are about six inches high, that's when you put the potatoes in the ground, right? And so the beans will always be higher than the foliage of the potatoes, right? You plant the beans, you wait till they're six foot high, you plant the potatoes, you put a good four or five inches of mulch over the potatoes, right up to the stems of the beans. That garden doesn't need to be watered. Those potatoes don't need to be watered. Nothing needs to be fertilized. The beans grow great. After a couple weeks, the potatoes come up. Their foliage sort of covers the whole bottom of the whole bed, right? Um, and then, you know, in September, because you've planted all this a bit late, um, you know, at that point in September when your beans are starting to get kind of ratty looking and the plants really aren't working anymore, that's when you dig up your potatoes. You dig up, you don't dig up the potato. You, you can reach in if you keep your, you know, like think you've got your bed four feet wide. As long as you're not getting into the roots of the beans, you can sort of dig around with your hands and pull up a couple potatoes here or there. But don't go turning over the soil to get all the potatoes out while the beans are still growing because you, you mess up the roots and the fine root hairs in it and you compromise the bean plants. Um, so if you're growing potatoes in with beans, or peas for that matter, if you need a couple for a meal, just, just reach around as far from the bean plants as you can and just feel around and grab some potatoes and pull them out. But don't go digging and turning things up. Do that in September when the beans are kind of done. I'm just speaking to my context here. The beans usually start looking all weird and you know, the shape gets weird and they just, the plants just get weird and they're kind of done <laughs> sometime in September. Um, so that would be one bed. Uh, another bed would be peas and potatoes. All right, so I, same thing as the beans, the same exact thing. Peas down the middle, potatoes on either side, mulching, same sort of system, okay? But this one, you plant the peas pretty much when you're planting your, uh, your spinach at the same time. So you plant the peas really early, once they get good, good and established, you know, as soon as you see the uh, dandelion flowers go yellow, put your potatoes in there on either side of the peas, right? And mulch it and let all that come up. You can harvest those potatoes earlier than the potatoes that are in with the beans, right? Because you've planted them sooner. You plant a fast growing, early maturing variety of potato, so you don't have to wait till the end of the summer to start enjoying potatoes out of your garden. So that's how I deal with that. Bed number three, I would grow <coughs> cucumbers. I mean, I'm looking at zucchini right now. If I had to choose zucchini or cucumber zucchini, I think I'd still would go with the cucumber. Um, zucchini is a productive plant and you get a lot of zucchini out of it. But the only way I store zucchini is as relish. 
which isn't like, you know, it's, it's resource intensive. My wife loves it. It's like one of her favorite things, zucchini relish. But basically for every one of those things of relish, you have to use a bunch of sugar to make that whole thing work. Um, with the cucumbers, I mean, the way I store them is to make fermented dill pickles with them, um, which you need garlic and dill uh, to do, right? But um, so they're easy to store. Same with the potatoes, they're easy to store. Same with the peas and the beans. When you have a surplus, uh, cut them up, blanch and freeze them, put them in the freezer, you can have them later on. That's what, basically what I'm doing right now all the time, right? And the potatoes, easy to store. You notice the theme, right? Getting the most food out of my garden with the least amount of work, <laughs> making the most of that space, those four beds, right? So I'd have cucumbers, again, trellis down the center with the cucumbers going up the trellis. On either side of that bed, I've got uh, dill on one side and parsley on the other side. You could grow any, <clears throat> whatever you want on that other side, um, but I really, really, really like fresh parsley. So that's unique to me. It's not a food thing, it's a flavor thing. Uh, the dill you grow on one side, I find if that bed has a, a line of dill on one side, that should be enough for the amount of pickles that come out of that, that bed, right? If you're making dill pickles, okay? That should be enough. So the others, I mean, if you really like dill, you put dill on either side, but one row of dill on one side of the beans should be enough for making dill pickles using those cucumbers. But... So on the other side, I've got parsley. My kids have this thing they really like to eat where we uh, take uh, parsley and garlic and anchovies and toss that around with a little bit of olive oil and put uh, garlic or put uh, pasta in with that and toss that around. We call it herby pasta, but it's, I mean, there's lots of different kinds of herbs you can make it with, but their favorite way and my favorite way is with parsley, garlic, anchovy, a little bit of heat, you know, hot chili peppers or uh, sambal or something like that, right? With the pasta, olive oil. Um, I like, if no one's around, I put olives in it too. I really like that, right? That's wonderful. I mean, I really, to me, that's like the taste of August, the taste of September. That wonderful, you know, herby pasta, green garlic, anchovy <laughs> taste. Um, and if you have a, just, just as a side note, if you have a hard time getting a hold of anchovies, as a substitute, go to any Asian store, you can get this stuff called fish sauce. It just comes in a bottle, you stick it in your fridge, it lasts, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know why it lasts forever, but it seems to last forever. Um, anyway, um, half a tin of anchovies, if you want to get, when I make a dish for the family, usually half a tin is the amount of anchovies that, that does the job. But a tablespoon of that fish sauce basically gets you there, if you want that essence of fish taste. And I can't explain why it makes things taste good. And a lot of you who don't like fish uh, might be turning up your nose. Um, but if, if you're a fan of Chinese food and you go to the Chinese, you know, really good Chinese restaurant, everything tastes amazing and you can't replicate the taste. There's a number of sort of um, in interesting ingredients that go into Chinese food. One of them is fish sauce. And your typical North American just wouldn't ever think to use something like that, but it does, it's salty, it's got this fishness. It's delicious, right? You can add it to things. You'd be surprised the things you can add it to to sort of boost the flavor, but certainly a stir fry, it's like a key thing, right? For a lot of, not all of them, right? But for a lot of them. Uh, anyway, so cucumbers, dill, and parsley. Uh, you can use the cucumbers in salad. You can use the cucumbers to make relish. 
you can use the cucumbers to make dill dill pickles easy to store easy to make and you can keep enjoying your cucumbers into the winter and you can get a lot of cucumbers out of a eight foot long trellis okay you have a, you have them planted every six inches right you've got good rich soil with good sun they can grow all the way up and you get a ridiculous amount of cucumbers um, fourth bed I'm planting garlic and kale you knew the kale would come in somewhere right so you plant your garlic in the fall around around October and late September that sort of thing um, it starts coming up in the spring as soon as you see the garlic coming up that's roughly when you can plant your kale right basically the soil is warm enough for stuff to grow that's when you can plant kale you can sow the seeds you would need to uh, plant the garlic in such a way that it wouldn't interfere with the kale right um, so the way I would do that you see you got a four by eight bed I would plant the garlic down the middle okay and then I would plant the kale close to the edge lengthwise right so so the, all the kale would be planted let's say six feet from the the outer edge and then we'd have two rows of garlic about six inches apart from one another right down the middle that way because I I've, you know a fully grown mature kale plant needs about you know it needs about a foot on each side right it's, a, it's, a, it's like a two foot wide two foot in diameter plant right so you want those kale far apart from one another so the leaves aren't touching and harboring pests and slugs and just making you know making things not ideal for kale all right the garlic will come up early right the kale will take a lot longer to come up uh, about the time you harvest the garlic which is around now right the kale will be you know depending on where you live and so on uh, over a foot high right so now the garlic's all gone and you can basically remulch that whole bed and just let the kale take over the whole thing right um, so that's that's the way I would work that system right garlic down the middle two rows of garlic down the middle about six inches apart and then two rows of kale six inches from the outer edge going the length of it that garden will give you a lot of kale believe it or not right if you're constantly harvesting constantly working at it you know I've shown how to do cut and come again kale where you just snap off the lower leaves uh, in a particular way and the plant just keeps giving and giving and giving all for me all the way up to December right and of course you can blanch and freeze and save your kale so again uh, when you get that at some point in August the kale plants are so productive I can't keep up with that we, we can't eat it as fast as we're getting it so we start blanching and freezing it and put it in the freezer even from one bed okay and then this year I only planted one bed of kale because I always have too much damn kale so I tried just one bed this year finally last bed in my four bed garden is parsnips and carrots so I would plant the parsnips and carrots you know like a row of parsnips six inches a row of carrots six inches a row of parsnips row, six inches row of carrots that sort of thing and at some point uh, as soon as we get a frost in the fall I would harvest all the carrots and leave the parsnips in the ground right up until winter so they can basically own that space if I had to choose just one of those things I would just choose the parsnips but in this scenario it's about using the most uh, using the space since parsnips and carrots are the sort of the same thing they have the same sort of, they, they grow really well together right so I just plant them together because uh, I like them both you know they have a different flavor we enjoy them both and they both you know arguably give you different nutritional uh, value right so that's 
my take on picking only five things and also just how, how unrealistic that is because it doesn't make a lot of sense. What we're really limited to, we're limited by space as gardeners. So we have to, how do we make, really the question is not what would you grow if you can only grow five things. If you were limited in, with space, what would be the five, what would be the things you grow in that space? And so I chose a garden size that's, you know, I think reasonable for most gardeners, not, uh, not, not too outlandish, right? Um, Anyone in reasonably good health with, you know, some spare time can maintain a four-bed garden if they want to, right? It doesn't take a lot of work, especially when you use mulches and use a permaculture approach. So, I hope you found that interesting. If you did, please like, share, subscribe. Um, if you're, uh, you know, if you want to help support the channel, of course, subscribe to my YouTube channel. But also, check out my, uh, my new weekly column that I'm doing this year uh, at uh, maritimegardening.substack.com. Dot com. Uh, you can subscribe for $30 for the whole year or $5 a month. I got a promo going right now where uh, if you're among the first uh, 100 subscribers, you have a chance to win a $100 gift certificate at the online gardening center of your choice. And I'm going to, you know, if this, is, if this works and it continues to build steam, I'll do that for every 100 subscribers. So the first 100, you know, if you're among that first 100 subscribers, you have a chance to win that. The next hundred, you know, between 101 and 200, you get a chance. You, you can win. You can be picked from that group, and so on. It's, you know, every hundred subscribers, I'll pick a new winner, and hand out a hundred dollar gift certificate at the online gardening. So I'll, I'll basically just buy a coupon and give it to you, gift it to you, <laughs> like a friend. <laughs> so uh, uh, maybe check that out. Uh, other than that, you know, I hope you found this video interesting. If you did, please like, share, subscribe. Until next time. Get out there, get at it. Have fun in your garden. Thanks for watching. Hey folks, want to help support everything I'm doing here? Check out my sponsors, Vessi's Seeds and Safer's Gardening Products. For Vessi's, go to their website, Vessi's.com, and use my coupon code GAVS22, and you'll get free shipping as long as there's a pack of seeds in your order and there's no oversized items in your order. Check out the description box of this video for details. Uh, for Safer's Products, Woodstream Products, you can buy all the things I use in my garden, Slug and Snail Killer, BTK, Endall. You can buy that from Vessies, or you can go to their websites uh, for a much wider range of products to solve just about any kind of problem that you can imagine uh, with high quality natural ingredients like oils from seeds and flowers and stuff like that. Uh, for if, you, if you're in Canada, go to woodstreambrands.ca and as long as your order is over $69, you get free shipping. If you're in the United States of America, then go to saferbrand.com and as long as your order is over $45 US, you'll get free shipping from them. So yeah, if you want to help support the channel and the podcast and they sell something you need, buy from them and that'll help support everything I'm doing here. Thanks a lot. <music>